Okay, so in this episode, I want to talk about President Zelensky's first strategic mistake. Um, now, as I talk about this, I want you to understand that I'm a unabashed fan of President Zelensky. Um, now, people go, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to turn this off. Uh, don't turn this off. Just hear what I have to say. If you like him, you're going to find out about his first mistake, and you're not going to like that. If you don't like him, you'll find out a lot about him. So stay tuned. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leader Smith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so as I said in the introduction, I'm an unabashed fan of President Zelensky. I have read every word of every speech to date that he has given. Um, that's like 60,000 words uh, if, since the war began. Um, I have read uh, written a book about him. It's on Amazon uh, Kindle right now. Uh, I, I tell you all that because I want you to understand that my criticism comes from a good place. Now, there are some people that are like, well, isn't he a Nazi? No, he's not a Nazi. Isn't he a Satanist? No, he's not a Satanist. Isn't he corrupt? Maybe. I mean, so there's, I mean, he's in the Ukraine and the Ukraine is, um, you know, 125 out of 160 or 130 out of 160 um, most corrupt countries in the world, according to Transparency International and Heritage. So is he corrupt? Possibly, but he's certainly in a corrupt society at, at, at very minimum. Is, was he a great politician? No. Uh, he was actually kind of a failed politician with 25% approval rating. Now, he had COVID and he had uh, Russia occupying some of his territory. So people weren't happy about that and other factors that were in the way. But he wasn't really doing great as a politician. But when the war came, he turned into this incredible wartime leader who did almost everything right. So you know, I got to give him high marks for what he has done right, but I'm also going to point out his first strategic mistake. So, like I said, he's an amazing figure. He's been compared to Washington, to Reagan, to Churchill. Um, as I compare him to Giuliani at a point in in, in my in my book, um, because you know, just before 9/11, the way that we looked at Giuliani was like, you know, the guy's a washed up. He's has been he's a lame duck. He's just biting out his, uh, you know, biting his time until he's out of office. Um, he was about to run against Hillary for Senate, but because he got a cancer diagnosis, he stepped out of that. So he wasn't going on to anything else. He was cheating on his wife and that became a big public to do. Um, and so it was it was a mess. 9-11 comes and he's everywhere directing traffic, making sure that everything's happening that needs to happen. And now he's America's mayor. So Zelensky's kind of in that same place. Like he he probably would not have been the, the household name that he is now if it wasn't for what has happened. And he stepped up and stepped into it and really stiffened the spine of of, of Ukrainians to stand and fight. OK, so he's been compared to all these great men in history. Putin, on the other hand, is a disaster. Um, he's miscalculated on just about everything, right? And his worldview is blinding him to what he can't see. So uh, let, let's talk about Putin. Militarily, the war has been a disaster. Morale's in the tank. Uh, logistics are 
not working like they're supposed to be working. The war was waged on too many fronts. Um, there's no integration really between ground and air attacks and sea attacks and things along those lines that limits combat effectiveness. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said, it appears as if a lot of these operations are being conducted in silos, not necessarily integrated. And that's exactly the kind of thing that will limit the synergy that the army needs in order to fight effectively. Okay, then economically, um, the situation is just getting worse as sanctions are really having an impact. It's not stopping them from fighting, but it it's designed to cripple the economy and um, you know, major companies have, have uh, you know, left both the uh, major companies from the West uh, whether it's Europe or the United States have left, they closed the stock market uh, because, you know, a fear of the, uh, of a sell-off, the ruble lost 40% of its value. I mean, economically Russia's being squeezed, not enough to get them to leave Ukraine, but it's hurting them. Politically, the situation's bad. Putin has taken all kinds of draconian measures like um, turning off Facebook or in, in Russia. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are all banned. Now, ironically, Twitter allows the office of the president of Russia to still have an account. So Putin's still tweeting, um, but it's banned in Russia. They also passed a law um, banning fake news. Okay, that's I mean, I'm not sure exactly if that's the correct term fake news, but essentially it's that if it's news that is considered false by the state, you can get up to 15 years in prison. Think about that. 15 years in prison for purveying fake news. Um, And the law made it illegal, quote, to make calls against the use of Russian troops to protect the interests of Russia. Wow. So uh, you cannot have any civil disobedience or protest against, but there are tens of thousands of people protesting in Russia. And I got to give them props, man. If, if you are in Russia and you are protesting Putin and you know that you're going to jail because of that, I, I, I mean, and who knows what kind of crazy draconian sentence you're going to get props. I mean, just respect because that's a whole different thing than if you protest here, knowing you're getting a free bonus TV for rioting. That's, that's not the same thing. Um, So, so I got to give them, uh, you know, the due respect for protesting Putin's regime. Okay. In spite of the media blackout, you're having all those protests. And, you know, there were people that were even arrested for holding up a blank sign just because they were there. They didn't, the sign didn't even say anything. They didn't even have to say anything. They could be arrested for that. Uh, so it's bad. Now, Zelensky is Putin's worst calculation because Putin estimated that uh, Zelensky would roll over in just a couple of days. They'd have a, they'd set up their own puppet regime in Ukraine, and then Putin would ex- essentially extend his territory. Um, now, remember, the Russian mindset has always thought of Ukraine as not its own country, but kind of like... This is the outskirts. This is the the other land. Um, this this kind of wilderness, like the way we thought of the Wild West, or um, something like that. And so they would just take over this land, and then they'd have this buffer zone between Russia and NATO. Um, so, but Zelensky decided to stand and fight. And the way that I describe this, and I've described this to a couple of people, uh, and I think it's a good analogy because the analogy that I had used before. It didn't, it wasn't quite right. Like, you know, somebody goes, uh, an adult picking on a middle school kid on the playground. And I don't think that's quite right, um, you know, or a big bully on the playground. Um, the analogy that I think works best is 
to think about Putin as uh, an ex-convict. Um, uh, there's a middle school boy sitting at his kitchen table, and he's just minding his business, doing his math homework. And an ex-con kicks in the door to his house and is threatening him. And, you know, this is where we were on February 24th. And we're like, the whole world's looking at this going, wow, this is going to be bad. But what nobody expected, not not us watching it and not certainly not the ex-con that kicked in the door was that that middle school boy, you know, you expected him to fold and be like, ah, ah, don't hurt me. Right. But what nobody expected was that, you know, he he had a reason for standing up. So he grabs the kitchen knife, the steak knife from from the group of knives on the on the kitchen table or on the kitchen counter and starts swinging madly at the uh, at the attacker because his little brother's in the back room sleeping and he's not going to let him get hurt. And I think that's a pretty good analogy for what's going on with, in Ukraine. Like Zelensky didn't lie down. He actually said, I, I'm staying here. And he stayed in Ukraine. He stayed in Kiev knowing that the city would be surrounded. And that's what the Russians have tried to do. And, and I give him high marks for having had the audacity to stand up at a time where we would have thought, no, that's that's not going to happen. So Putin now is in great peril because if if he wins and this is improbable, but if he wins, he's gotten a black eye by a middle school kid, like a big thing, huge ex-con. I want to come in and, and a little middle school kid gives him a black eye. That's already bad. But if he loses, how much worse is that? Right? You got beat up by a middle school kid. What are the other prisoners going to be thinking when he gets back to jail? OK, that's about as far as I'm going to stretch that analogy. All right. So Putin's in, in great peril in another way. Even if he wins, he's a pariah of the world. OK, so he, he's in he's ranked as one of the most hated men in U.S. history. Um, and, you know, Zelensky has, again, done everything right. Putin is just he's a, in a really rough place. And I think whoever can figure out how to let Putin, how to get Putin to get out of this thing and save face and withdraw may actually save the world. And I, I'm not saying that in a, um, you know, hyperbolic kind of way. I, I really mean, like, I, I don't know that Putin's mentality will allow him to back down. And so because he's not, you know, he can't back down. He's just, you know, I, I can't. but if he can save face and somehow figure out how to withdraw and si simultaneously save face, I think that goes a long way to keep us from escalating. Okay, at any rate, um, now Zelensky, Let's talk about Zelensky. Zelensky's done almost everything right. It's remarkable because he had a 25% approval rating as a politician. Um, and then this event happens and bam, he's just an excellent wartime leader. Now, if you put on paper, uh, the th like if I, if I gave you an assignment, I'm a professor, right? If I gave you an assignment and I said, okay, you're President Zelensky, I, I, on February 23, while they're still at the borders, Putin's going to attack tomorrow. Uh, what do you do? <laughs> and and you wrote the actions that Zelensky has taken since then. I'd give you an A. I mean, he's done like everything right. Um, 
<laughs> he, he just really has. So um, I, I teach power and influence and leadership and management and leading organizational change and organizational behavior. He really has hit all the, the high notes in leadership. And I got to give him credit for that. He sent out first an unambiguous message about casting a vision about this is what our goal is to push them back out. Our goal is to win this thing. Our goal is to not let the Russians have what the Russians are trying to take. Uh, and I now, how do we get there? I need everyone to fight. I'm staying in Kiev. My wife and family are in Ukraine. We are not traitors. Stand and fight. And so now it, this would be a hard sell if he was in a fancy hotel in Paris, but because he stayed it's unambiguous what a Ukrainian male should be doing. Now, get your wife and kids out of the country. Sure, I get that, right? So there's lots of displacement. But the U Ukrainian male, no, we're issuing arms to civilians. Get, get out there and fight. So he's very clear about what the North Star is and what you should do in the process. And so, you know, and, and his greatest example was when he's two days into it. Uh, there's a lot of fakes out there about that I fled the country. I'm here, my uh, prime minister's here, my head of the uh, office of the president is here. And he, he said these words, Yatut, which is translated, I am here. And like, there's no, uh, no better way to lead than by example. Okay, he's put out more than 50 some odd videos. Again, it's 60,000 some odd words. That's like a book that he's put out in speeches, calling on the international community for help, calling for peace, calling for aid, uh, pointing out what's gone on, uh, highlighting for his people the things that he should be able to have them focus on so that they know what's really going on. Now, what's interesting is in those speeches, he has quoted Churchill when he talked to the British. He said, we shall not give up. We shall not lose. We shall go the whole way. We shall fight in the seas. We shall fight in the air. We shall defend our land. Whatever the cost may be, we shall fight in the woods. We shall fight in the fields, fight on the beaches, uh, in the cities, in the villages. And then Zelensky did something masterful. And he said this, and quote, and I want to add, we shall fight on the soil, spoil tips, on the banks of the Calamus and the Dnieper. Okay, I don't know if I'm pronouncing those right. The, these are Ukrainian words that I, I'm not Ukrainian, right? So I don't know exactly. The D N I E P E R, I think, is Dnieper. Um, so, but those are listing places in Ukraine. So he is couple. He's like tying himself to Churchill in that, and he was doing that while he was speaking to the British Parliament. It was brilliant when he spoke to the Canadian Parliament. He asked Justin Trudeau, Justin, how would you explain to your son why bombs are falling in you in Edmonton, while why Vancouver is blockaded by the Navy? Tell tell us. How do you tell your son why the CN Tower in Toronto was hit by a missile attack? And so it, it brought the war to them. It brought it home to them emotionally. And so he's done a great job with that. When he spoke to the Congress of the United States, he invoked Mount Rushmore, Martin Luther King, Pearl Harbor, and 9-11, right? He said this about 9-11. Remember a day, September 11th, a terrible day in, in 2001 when evil to try to turn your cities into a battlefield? When innocent people were attacked, attacked from the air in a way no one expected, in a way you could not stop it, our state experiences this every day, right? It was moving. It was touching. When he spoke to Germany, he talked about how this new wall was being set up across Europe. They understood that because he was talking about the Berlin Wall and then talking about what Russia was doing to them, 
right? Speaking to Israel, he linked Nazi aggression to Russian aggression. He talked about how on February 24th, 1920, the National Social uh, Socialist Workers Party of Germany, that's a Nazi party, was founded. Guess what? 102 years later, February 24th, nine, uh, 2022, that was the day of the invasion. So he's masterful in doing all these things. Like I, I just give him high marks um, for communication. He, he also quoted Golda Meir, who said, quote, we, we intend to remain alive. Our neighbors want to see us dead. This is not a question that leaves much room for compromise. <laughs> and, and so that's what he was saying to Israel. Now, he also talked to Japan, and he talked about the nuclear power plant disaster at Chernobyl. And Japan just had Fuku, Fukushima. I, I'm, maybe I'm mispronouncing that. Please forgive me. Um, but they had that nuclear power plant disaster after the earthquake and tsunami. And in fact, a week earlier before his speech to Japan, they had another earthquake and people were displaced again. Uh, so he he's tied things together really well. So I give him high marks, for example, I give him high marks for vision, for uh, sense making, uh, for being the communicator in chief. I mean, he's done a great, great job, but he made a terrible strategic mistake. And that's what I want to talk about here. His strategic mistake is that um, while his words have rallied the world, he announced on Sunday this past Sunday, um, so today is Friday, March 25th, but a, one, a week ago, he announced that 11 political parties would be banned because of their ties or sympathy to Russia. And so I'm going to quote, he said, any activity of politicians aimed at splitting or collaborating will not succeed, but it will get a tough response. That is why the National Security and Defense Council of Ukraine decided, given the full-scale war waged by the Russian Federation and the ties of some political structures with the state and any activity of a number of political parties during martial law is suspended, and then he named the parties, namely Opposition Platform for Life, Sharari Party, Nashi, Opposition Bloc, Left Opposition, Union of Left Forces, State, Progressive Socialist Party of Ukraine, Socialist Party of Ukraine, Socialists Party, and Vol Volomir Salado Bloc. Again, if I mispronounced it, please forgive me. I'm not Ukrainian. Some of these parties are now so irrelevant that I, I don't know why he's listing them. But a couple of these, like Opposition Platform for Life, holds 44 seats out of the 450 parliament of uh, 450 member parliament so about uh, you know just about 10 percent. and if you add all of them up they're just under 20 percent of the entire parliament so i think this is a bad move now at the same time Zelensky also nationalized the tv stations in order to have a unified information front now you're kind of doing what putin's doing just on a smaller scale with that nationalization of the tv but why is he doing this like so this is Again, I, I've had, I have nothing but praise for Zelensky for everything that he has done so far through uh, since the war began to now. Not before the war. Before the war, he was kind of a train wreck of a politician. Uh, he was an actor who became a politician who didn't really do all that great. But, you know, he was a novice. COVID, uh, all the, you know, corruption around in Ukraine. So I'm not like hard on him for that, but he just wasn't that great war came and he's been awesome okay so what but why did he do what he did well 
and in his heart of hearts, he's he is trying to reform some things, but he's also kind of a statist at the same time. I mean, it's he if you look at the servant of the people platform, he's half statist where he he's trying to do government big government solutions to a bunch of things, but he's also trying to reform business to eliminate corruption. So the Daya app where people can get on and they can start a business or renew their driver's license or um, do these government service things without having to you know pay off a government official in the process. Um, so he's doing some things, but he also has this look, he was 13 when the Soviet Union fell apart and Ukraine became independent. So his formative time was still Soviet. Um, okay, so why do you do it? I think he is legitimately concerned about potentially a fifth column in Ukraine. Like, let's say that that's a, that's a legit concern. I'd be concerned about that, right? Uh, it's understandable, but I think it's also an overcorrection. The, the, the Russians have, um, yeah, the, the, the Russians devastated these regions in the East. So if you look at, you know, where the people that were most sympathetic to Russia were, they're in the East down, like Maripol is a city that's getting devastated. It's, it's oh, the Donbass, um, uh, Crimea. If you look at the places like just above Crimea, and that whole area is still somewhat sympathetic toward Russia, not anymore, because the Russians have been indiscriminately bombing them. So I, my assessment is that it'll be generations before those people look east again. So there's no need for this law because they their hatred of the Russians has is higher than it's ever been, given that they're killing their families and destroying their homes and whatever else. I think it's also a rookie political error. He's new to politics. Um, I don't think he thinks about rights the way that we think about rights, right? I mean, he came out of the Soviet system initially. So for all those reasons, he's doing what he shouldn't be doing. Now, the world is coming to his aid because they see this one-sided aggression, that convict kicking in the door, picking on a middle school kid, right? But you got to be real careful if you're Zelensky because... You know, if you start undoing or undermining the, the major pillars of Western democracy, like freedom of speech or the, those right for these people to assemble, even if they have different views, then your support could start to dry up a little bit. And you don't want that. Um, I wrote an article about this. It, it hasn't been published yet. It's in press. Uh, it's look, being looked at to be selected. And, and in it, I wrote a quote by um, by Nietzsche. And I don't really like Nietzsche, but I but I quoted him because it's appropriate here. Nietzsche said, "Whoever fights monsters should be should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. And if you gaze long enough into the abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you." And that's really kind of, you know, a, a lot of people that use wrong means to try to get to good ends. That's what happens. They, they start to become the monster that they were fighting. I don't know. And that's a quotation for contemplation for today. The whoever fights monsters quote. Um, but I, I don't know that that's what's happening with Zelensky. I do think that he shares a certain blindness with Putin. Like Putin made all kinds of mistakes because he's blinded by his worldview in, in a number of areas. I think he shares a certain blindness about what he should or should not be able to do about like banning these parties. But I, I don't know that it's the same blindness. I think he, he has, I would call it a blind spot here about he's so zealous 
to defend Ukraine. And, and I would be too. I mean, like if I saw my, my countrymen being shelled daily or shot in the breadline just for standing in the breadline because the Soviets or the Soviets, the Russians could do that. I, I mean, I'd be pretty hot too. Um, and, and I'd want pretty much anything that could stop him. But I think he has his blind spot because he um, has a zeal to defend his land. Nevertheless, it's a strategic mistake. And I'm going to call it that because it is. And if he continues to do this, he's going to have other problems. So he, like we didn't think, it's, as I'm talking about it right now, we're a month into the wall, war. And the US intelligence estimate was that you're going to maybe be three, four days. So good on him. He's gotten this far, but he can't afford to make too many more strategic mistakes because he's he's really significantly um, outgunned, outnumbered. And so he has to do things right. So this is his first st strategic mistake. Let's hope that it's his last and he does the rest right because he's been up till now getting all A's. All right. That's my assessment. Uh, if you'd like to tell me yours. I'm happy to hear it. So let me know. Uh, leave me comments. Interact with me. I'm happy to hear it. Um, please, if you're going to tell me that he's a Nazi or a Satanist or whatever he is, <gasps> did you see the video where he was? Yeah, he was an actor. I mean, he, this was, you know, what he had done in his previous life. Um, I, I get it. But if you're going to tell me, you know, hey, there's these bio labs or what? Okay, maybe there are, but send me like legitimate links, not somebody's blog. And I, I'm, I'm willing to hear it and listen and factor that in. And I will grow as I hear about, you know, other nuances or, or perspectives. I welcome that. And anybody who doesn't welcome that, anybody who says, well, you know, if you believe this, then, then you're not really watch out for those people. Okay. You want to have people that are open-minded that will accept and process new information and think about what's going on and, and try to factor that in. But again, consider your sources, make sure you have legit sources. So you're not running off because there really is uh, a different disinformation war uh, being waged right now, a propaganda war about from on both sides of what's going on in Ukraine with Russia. All right. That's all that I have to say. Thank you for your time. I hope that helps you process and understand, um, you know, as I talked about Zelensky and his strategic mistake, there were a ton of leadership lessons here. And, and I hope that helps you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. Thanks for your time. Thank you.